The United States Border Patrol has exciting and rewarding career opportunities with the nation's largest law enforcement organization. Earn great pay with outstanding federal benefits and up to $20,000 in recruitment incentives. Learn more online at cbp.gov slash careers slash usbp. This is the American Veteran Show. Proud to finally say these two words. Welcome home. Dedicated to those who have worn the uniform. Tremendous national asset. Dedicated to our active duty men and women. They came not as conquerors, but as liberators. Dedicated to presenting issues, topics, and interviews highlighting their commitment to our country. I want to thank the courageous men and women who've served their country in uniform. Less than 1% population of our country chooses to serve our country in the military and the other 99% of us we owe them online at americanveteranshow.com here's Stephen Tubbs welcome to this week's edition of the American Veteran Show as we bring you our very first brand new episode for the year 2022 hope you had a wonderful holiday period your new year is going fine so far and it is a pleasure to have you as we slowly but surely just a couple of weeks until we have our season six premiere here straight ahead on the program got to tell you first two segments we'll talk about the loss the passing of of two american heroes one you've no doubt heard about maybe even had a reaction to when she passed well just a couple of weeks ago. The other you may not know about, and you certainly will after our next segment, believed to be the United States' oldest World War II veteran. He passed last week, and we'll talk about that. In segment three of the program, Straight Ahead, uh, we get into, got to admit, a little bit of politics. We try not to do that on the program, but... You know, somebody with the important position like the Secretary of State, well, obviously, veterans, civilians like me, we all pay attention. We should with what the United States is doing with other countries, relations and so forth. But have you heard about the Antony Blinken, Secretary of State? They want to push his Spotify list as to maybe make it clear as to why he's thinking this way, because He's listening to these sorts of songs. It's very weird, but we do have that coming up in segment three and making their debut on the American Veteran Show, none other than Taylor Swift and Bruno Mars. And then we wrap up the program today with a look at the USS Abraham Lincoln now underway with nearly a year-long mission, but it's who is in charge. That is why we are going to pay particular attention to this. We could not do programs like this without our presenting sponsor. Thank you as always and happy new year to the team at Boson Law. Attorney John Boson and his team of attorneys, they fight on behalf of veterans every single day. Myriad issues. Give them a call 303-999-9999 or bosonlaw.com, B O E S E N law, bosonlaw.com. As we begin, you may have had a reaction when you heard that 99-year-old Betty White had passed. Well, did you know that in World War II, she volunteered in Southern California? And just last week, the United States Army tweeted out the following. We are saddened by the passing of Betty White. Not only was she an amazing actress, she also served during World War II as a member of the American Women's Voluntary Services, a true legend on and off the screen. That from the United States Army, 
post just last week on Twitter. Now, Betty White lived an incredible life. She was 99, just a couple of weeks or three weeks shy of her 100th birthday. But she was just incredible. And we talked about it a lot on the regular program last week. Did you know that the love of her life, Alan Ludden, the longtime game show host, well, did you know he was also a World War II veteran? He served in the Army as officer in charge of entertainment in the Pacific Theater. He received a Bronze Star and was discharged with the rank of captain in 1946. So he had passed in the early 80s, but Betty White, so close to 100. But thank you, Betty. Do you know what that means, Mary? It means I've been smiling for 11 years. <laughs> I never thought of it that way. I want a job where I don't have to smile. I don't like smiling all the time. It's against my nature. <laughs> Sue Ann, you're smiling. I am. Right now? Uh-huh. <laughs> I can't tell anymore. I'm in a rut, Mary. Everything I do is mechanical. I I just go through the motions. Oh, well, Sue Ann, come on. Everyone feels that way about her job sometimes. But I can't pretend anymore. I I've cooked it all. <laughs> I've eaten it all. I've cleaned it, trimmed it, and stuffed it. <laughs> Gee, I can sympathize. Monopoly has turned me into a bitter, spiteful person. Oh, I know you haven't noticed, but it has. <laughs> really? And I don't want to be that way, Mary. I want to be a nice person. And with your help, I'm going to be a nice person. And changing jobs is the first step. Well, <clears throat> Sue Ann, that puts me in a sort of an awkward position, see, because I'm going to try out for the job, too. <laughs> well, now, I wonder how a, a nice person would react to that news. Well, I, I don't a think a nice person wouldn't point out the dubious ethics of an associate producer auditioning for her own show. A really nice person wouldn't use phrases like undue influence or conflict of interest or two-bit double-crossing think. Oh, now, just a minute, Sue Ann. In the language of the newsroom, that's an allegation. I have no more influence over the audition than anybody else. Ah, Mary, dear. In the language of the kitchen, that's a crock. <laughs> we had to wait for the kitty. There. Betty White as Sue Ann Nivens on the 70s CBS sitcom, The Mary Tyler Moore Show. Now, Betty White, as you know, was was beautiful. She was beautiful, young, middle-aged, and in her, her older years. Well, she was a model in the 1930s, but right at the start of World War II, she put those things on hold, and she joined the American Women's Voluntary Services, or AWVS. She joined shortly after the bombing of Pearl Harbor in 1941. The AWVS, well, volunteer females, um, they took on various roles, including things like ambulance and truck driving, aerial photography, even firefighting. And it was about 12 years ago in an interview with a Cleveland magazine that Betty White said, well, she had a role of driving a PX truck 
full of supplies to barracks in the Hollywood Hills. Then at night, during World War II, she would attend dances for departing troops. She said, quote, It was a strange time and out of balance with everything, which I'm sure the young people are going through now. Rest in peace, Betty White, and you made us laugh, especially when you hosted Saturday Night Live about eight years ago. I have so many people to thank for being here, but I really have to thank Facebook. the campaign to get me to host Saturday Night Live, I didn't know what Facebook was. (laughs) And now that I do know what it is, I have to say, it sounds like a huge waste of time. (laughs) I would never say that people on it are losers, but that's only because I'm polite. People say, but Betty, Facebook is a great way to connect with old friends. Well, at my age, if I want to connect with old friends, I need a Ouija board. (laughs) Facebook just sounds like a drag. In my day, seeing pictures of people's vacations was considered a punishment. (laughs) Betty White there on Saturday Night Live about eight years ago. Rest in peace, and boy, I know you joined me in saying... Thank you to Betty White for making us smile, making us laugh. And as one of our listeners last week on the regular show said, she was America's grandma. And she really was. Coming up on the American Veteran Show, his name Lawrence Brooks, the oldest World War II veteran in the United States, thought to be the oldest man living in the country. He passed last week. We'll have a special tribute to this American hero coming up next. Glad you're with us as we kick off 2022, the American Veteran Show. AmericanVeteranShow.com. Now, back to the American Veteran Show. Here's Stephan Tubbs. Welcome back to the American Veteran Show. Thank you so much for joining us on this, our first episode of the new year. We lost a legend. We lost a hero. We lost a World War II veteran. And we also lost the country's oldest living person. We call him Mr. Brooks. Lawrence Brooks passed away last week. He was 112 years old. And he certainly over the last few years has gotten a lot of media attention And I say, great. May we always remember him. This from just a couple of years ago. Today, fewer than half a million American World War II veterans who served in Europe, the Pacific, and other places are still alive. CBS This Morning Saturday co-host Michelle Miller was just with the oldest American vet as he celebrated... His 110th birthday. Now, Michelle, that's quite a party. It was quite a party, and he is quite alive. Lawrence Brooks was born on September 12, 1909, and he, I got to tell you, is quite the character. He credits his good health with long walks and chewing gum, a habit he used to replace cigarettes. When we celebrated with him yesterday, he learned, we learned that the super centenarian is something 
of a local celebrity. Morning. You know you're my hero. When you've been on the planet as long as Lawrence Brooks has, you develop a following. You're going to have fun today? Yeah, yeah, yeah. At 110, he's the oldest American World War II veteran, a feat worthy of pomp, circumstance, and a five-star serenade at the war's National Museum. Happy birthday to you. When I first went, was drafted in the, in the Army, the old sergeant was telling us, you got to get training so you can go kill people. Kill people? You mean, as much as I love people, you tell me I got to go kill them? After returning home to New Orleans, Brooks faced the challenge of the Jim Crow South. Then more than a half century later, Hurricane Katrina threatened his life and took his wife's. Hurricane Katrina took everything I owned, washed away everything. And yet you survived that too? Yeah, I survived that too. Yeah. The Lord was just good to me. <laughs> My daddy still get on his knees at night and pray. Brooks' daughter, Vanessa, credits her father's diet, exercise, and faith for his long life. And in some ways, it's prayer that made this celebration possible. I heard that he was an old vet, and I said, well, we need to do something at the World War II Museum. Museum docent Lee Crane met Brooks years ago at church and helped launch the now annual museum party in 2014. It's a tradition employees hope won't end anytime soon. Happy birthday. We asked Brooks if this year he enjoyed any birthday presents in particular. It's those ladies who, who left all that red stuff on your face. Oh, oh the, the Victor Bell. You like all those kisses? Yeah, oh, oh yeah. That from CBS this morning. That was a couple of years ago. Most recently, Mr. Brooks, how's he doing or was he doing during COVID? This morning, we're sharing a story that highlights the strength of one community despite the ongoing challenges of the pandemic. At 111 years old, Lawrence Brooks has a unique place among surviving World War II veterans. Jimmy Wax shows us how volunteers across the state of Louisiana stepped up to help change his life when he needed a hand. After more than a century, you might think Lawrence Brooks had gotten just about every kind of birthday present imaginable. But as America's oldest known living World War II vet at 111, his birthday this September came with an unexpected gift which began with a call from Louisiana Governor John Bell Edwards. Right before he hung up, he said to you, let me know if there's anything I can do for you. Right. And you said... My roof is leaking. My roof is leaking. Yeah. This is a lesson in taking an opportunity, right? Right, right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Initially being on scene, it was a nightmare. I mean, there was vegetation growing out of the existing roof. There was obviously deficient framing. Kevin Griffin and Jason Engels were part of a Louisiana-based team tapped by the governor's office to help Lawrence Brooks fix shoddy repair work done after Hurricane Katrina. Dozens of community carpenter volunteers answered the call. They fully replaced Brooks' roof, no questions asked. The governor's words were, fix the home and his roof just like if it was your own. And so that's what we did. Born in September of 1909, Brooks was drafted during the Second World War into the then still segregated U.S. Army. 
1941 to 1945, Brooks served overseas with the predominantly African-American 91st Engineer Battalion in places like Australia and New Guinea. He took a job as the unit's cook. When I was a kid coming up, I used to watch my mother. My mother used to cook, tell me about, show me different things about cooking. They got us all together, and it definitely sent me to cooking school, with me to school for, for about six weeks. What did it do for you to be able to give back to a man like that? Yeah, it, 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 it kind of makes you reevaluate yourself. Volunteering on something like this uh, gives you a purpose. It feel good. And with memories of surviving not only the war, but the Spanish flu pandemic of 1918 as well, Lawrence Brooks brings a special perspective to the current pandemic year. Certainly one of the craziest years you've lived through in your 111 years. What are you thankful for this year? Thankful for my life. Thankful for my daughter that takes care of me. Thank God for everything. For CBS This Morning, Jamie Wax, New Orleans. Again, here on the American Veteran Show, we salute and say rest in peace. Mr. Brooks, Lawrence Brooks. World War II veteran, the oldest living American at 112, passed away last week. This put together by his home state of Louisiana's, and it's a wonderful place, the World War II National Museum. At the young age of 105, back in 2014, we, we started our, our tradition of uh, celebrating and Mr. Brooks's birthday every year. We promised him back in 2014, as long as he kept having birthdays, we would keep having celebrations. This would have been uh, the seventh birthday party that we've had for Mr. Brooks at the museum. But of course, with COVID, we couldn't do the birthday party at the museum, so we decided to bring it to his house this year. If you want to do it, there's nothing to it, just see. purchased a cake which uh, from Bittersweet Bakery, which is always delicious. We are also having a special flyover by some uh, volunteer World War II aircraft. I was born in a little town called Norwoods, Louisiana, September 12, 1909. Mr. Brooks has a, a really interesting uh, World War II story. I was drafted in 1940. Went to Camp Shelby, Mississippi. Got all my basic training. Wasn't nothing going on. And was uh, discharged from the service, I think, actually November 7th, 1941. And of course, uh, a month later. They bombed Pearl Harbor. They asked no question, just come right back and got me again. And so it's really a a remarkable story. You know, went in before Pearl Harbor, uh, thought he was done, uh, recalled a month later, and joined the 91st uh, Engineer Battalion, a predominantly African-American unit, and served with his unit uh, all throughout the war uh, in the Pacific. I think this represents a couple of things. Uh, first of all, it, it shows the love that everyone has for Mr. Brooks. He's just a wonderful human being. But I think this also uh, is symbolic of how people think about our World War II veterans. You know, part of the World War II Museum's mission is to honor our veterans. 
and nobody exemplifies that more than Mr. Brooks. Well, happy birthday, Lawrence. Yes, We're happy so birthday, excited. handsome. <laughs> happy birthday. Mwah. Happy birthday to Rest in peace, Mr. Lawrence Brooks. We continue. Stay with us. This is the American Veteran Show, AmericanVeteranShow.com. Veteran Show. We continue now with Stefan Tubbs. All right. Happy New Year. No, we've, to the best of my knowledge, in almost five full years, we've never had Taylor Swift on the American Veteran Show. There is a reason. Happy New Year to you, and thank you so much for sticking with us on this Sunday afternoon, our very first show of 2022. Now, we do try, as hard as sometimes it may be, we try not to be overly political on this program, realizing there are veterans on the left, veterans on the right, veterans in the middle, veterans who couldn't care less about politics. But have you heard the one about the Secretary of State, Antony Blinken, and his Spotify list? It'll all make sense as we continue the American Veteran Show. This from Congressman from Texas, Dan Crenshaw, of course, a former Navy SEAL, again on Fox just last week. We know that hundreds of thousands of people have been let loose, sometimes given some sort of notice to reappear, sometimes not. We know from data that approximately 90% of people who come from Northern Triangle countries do not show up for the court date. This is a common myth that the left tries to tries to put out there, and it's not true. The data actually shows, recent data from DHS shows, about 90% do not show up. Okay? Now, as far as the other myths that they perpetuate, that this is that this is some form of compassion, that you're just taking care of people who have a, have a worse life than you, and you should be welcoming them, this is not compassionate. I mean, you just listed all of these these horrible, heart wrenching news stories that have occurred on the border because human smugglers are trying to escape police. You talk about the human smuggling itself. You talk about the fact that we've lost more people from fentanyl deaths than COVID from ages 18 to 45. This is a real crisis in America, and this administration doesn't want to do anything about it. They don't. Now, they were forced to do something about it. Let me give you a little bit of piece of good news to end with here. The good news is that the courts forced them to reinstate the Remain in Mexico policy, the so-called MPP program. Since that time, which is not very long ago, we've seen the crossings drop by about 30%. This is an actual Trump policy deterrent that works, and we should keep doing it. Congressman, speaking of former President Donald Trump, Iran has made their feelings known. They still have revenge on their mind when it came to the killing of Soleimani. I think we're approaching an anniversary of that that drone attack. And and here we have, speaking of drone attacks, um, in Iraq, um, U.S. forces have foiled just west of Baghdad a, a drone attack. Uh, it's the second time in as many days. I know you were in Fallujah. You served with SEAL Team 3 in Iraq. When, when you see what's happening there now with this drone attack, um, 
What's going on connected to Iran? What's happening in Iraq? Yeah, look, it, it is the Middle East. So you're seeing drone attacks and rocket attacks uh, on the regular. <laughs> that, that, that's something we're, we're quite accustomed to. Um, I, I actually look at this a little differently. I think it's interesting that on the, on the anniversary of the killing of Soleimani, remember President Trump did that famous strike against Soleimani two years ago. Everybody thought the world was going to end. Everybody thought there was going to be a massive conflict with Iran and World War III was going to start. And then what happened? Well, not very much. And this, and this, and relatively speaking, this is a pretty insignificant response two years later uh, to that uh, to that strike of Soleimani. So it shows a couple of things. One, that, that Trump policy of taking decisive action and therefore reestablishing deterrence with our enemies, it does actually work. Peace through strength, actually, or sorry, strength through peace. Yes, peace through strength actually does work. Um, and, and I think Trump showed that in, in a variety of cases. Uh, we can't. We can't undo that leverage. Right now, you're seeing the Biden administration want to want to renegotiate the JCPOA, the Iran nuclear deal with Iran. Go back to the table. Uh, th- that's a mistake because because inevitably, what they do with that negotiation table is give up leverage. After we've spent years reestablishing that leverage and reestablishing that deterrence with Iran. So, Congressman, you're mi- you're mentioning Iran. You have the mullahs there that are saying they want revenge for Soleimani's death, threatening to kill Pompeo or President Trump. In Russia, they're preparing to invade U- Ukraine. They're also working with China and Iran. You have China continuing to invade Taiwan's airspace and Afghanistan. We still have allies there, not to mention what we talked about at the top of your interview with the border and sex traffickers and sexual abusers coming across and bringing fentanyl as well. So you have all of these this foreign policy crisis. And if you look at what the State Department's covering, they've promoted eight times in the last month Secretary Blinken's uh, Spotify playlist. They want you to listen to it, his Taylor Swift songs. Why is he promoting this? Why are they promoting this instead of talking about things that really matter in America? Yeah, it's fascinating. You could call this playlist the, the bury your head in the sand playlist. It was probably put together by some 20-year-old intern. I mean, when you look at the playlist, that's, mm-hmm. that's what it appears to me to be. And uh, this is what Anthony Blinken listens to when he doesn't want to deal with the world's problems and do his job. Again, whether it's, whether it's Americans left behind in Afghanistan, whether it's the Russia-Ukraine border, whether it's the China-Taiwan issue, whether it's our southern border, uh, pick any of them. Uh, Anthony Blinken doesn't want to deal with it. Yep. And this look, look, in, in politics, we always we always walk this line of of doing pro- professional things on the one hand, but also showing the people that we're human and that we can do fun things. Uh, but there's a time and place for that. And with, with the world as it is right now, with this administration under such uh, deserved scrutiny, it shouldn't be promoting silly playlists that were uh, clearly meant for teenagers. Right. You said music is going to bring the world together. Good luck with that. Mm, yeah, we will not subject you to any more Taylor Swift, but Bruno Mars is straight ahead, making his uh, worldwide first appearance on the American Veteran Show. Again, that was from Fox News and Congressman Dan Crenshaw from Texas. So here is, well, she's on Fox all the time, Molly Hemingway, and she's also talking about this Spotify list. It is just amazing to see how much the State Department has been pushing the Spotify playlist And it's not that I don't think Anthony Blinken has maybe good taste in music. I just have no basis to believe that this is actually his Spotify playlist. Like, I don't think a grown man is listening to Taylor Swift and Olivia Rodrigo. I don't find it a very credible list for Blinken, who is supposedly a really good guitar player. You don't see that 
as evidenced in the list. But more importantly, like you said, we have all these major issues that our country is facing. And Blinken has had a really rough go of things. He had that really rough start with his first meeting with the Chinese officials where they embarrassed him and he came off weak. In general, weakness is a thing that we're dealing with. Um, I'm not sure Spotify playlist is the way to counter that image of weakness globally. No, seriously, and especially when you have Putin that is continuing to flex his muscles right now for an administration that had so much experience and was going to say that America was back. It seems like America is kind of gone right now. It seems like all the enemies that feared us and respected us are now back to the Obama days. But maybe that's what they wanted. I don't think everything the Biden administration has done is awful in foreign policy. But he has quite a few failures. You know, what happened in Afghanistan was just a horrible thing that the entire country feels dishonor over. And weakness, like the weakness that the Biden administration has kind of presented on a platter, can be provocative. You might remember that Putin was not invading countries during the Trump era. He took advantage of, you know, neocon foreign policy, basically, to uh, to do his previous incursions, whether that was under Obama or now he seems to be threatening with Biden. He also, at the tail end of the George W. Bush presidency, tried that too. Um, we have really serious issues. And the State Department keeps pushing out this Spotify list. and it's, It just makes you nervous because they're not just doing a bad job. They keep doing these things that are not serious at all. Yeah. As mentioned, Bruno Mars making his debut on the American Veteran Show. That was Molly Hemingway. Did you know she was born in Denver, Colorado, USA? She went to CU Denver. When we come back, we will wrap up the final segment of the program and hope you're enjoying your new year so far. Let's hear it for the ladies. Thank you to our female veterans. Why? Why not? But when we come back, we will wrap up Dateline San Diego last week. The USS Abraham Lincoln, a nuclear-powered aircraft carrier. Well, it left port. Going to be gone a long, long time. And it's the person now in charge. That's why we're going to feature that. And that comes up next. Stay with us. This is the American... I like this. This is the American Veteran Show. AmericanVeteranShow.com. I'm talking trips to Puerto Rico. Say the word and we go. You can be my freaka. Girl, I'll be a freaka, mama sister. I would never make a promise that I can't keep. I promise that your smile ain't gonna never be. Shopping sprees in Paris. Everything 24 carats. Take a look in that mirror. This is the American Veteran Show, online at AmericanVeteranShow.com. Here's Stephan Tubbs. Glad you're with us, and thank you for spending time with us on our first new program of 2022. Hope you are having a great year so far. Just a reminder, well, a couple of reminders, that, uh, well, we couldn't do this show without our presenting sponsors. So if you are a veteran or you know of a veteran in your circle of family or friends, do yourself a favor, if he or she, if they're having any legal issues whatsoever, uh, whether it's disability or anything else, get in touch with our presenting sponsor. He is a patriot, and he certainly has been with us for many years. Attorney John Boson in Denver, bosonlaw.com, that's B-O-E-S-E-N law, bosonlaw.com, or their number could not be easier, 303 999 
888-900-9999. Coming up as we wrap up the program for this week, it was a letter sent back in World War II. It was just delivered this past week. We'll read that letter to you coming up. But first, let's hear it for the ladies. The USS Abraham Lincoln took off last week from San Diego, my hometown. Now, I got to be honest, just between you and me, what you're about to hear, it's not exactly Pulitzer Prize winning reporting. I'm just warning you. Everybody in reporting and television and radio, we all start out somewhere. San Diego's a good market in the media market world. Anyway, you'll see what I mean. Regardless, we're playing it because, well, KFMB-TV, News 8, Channel 8 in San Diego, uh, certainly did a great job, I will give them this, of making sure that they covered a very important milestone this past week. Thousands of service members getting ready for deployment on the USS Abraham Lincoln. News 8's Dana Marie McNichol joining us live now. You're at NAS North Island. What can we expect to see there today? Good morning, Dana Marie. Good morning. Well, 5,000 service members are already aboard the USS Abraham Lincoln, heading out around 8 a.m. this morning. And now many of them were expecting their family to say goodbye, wave to them as they head out of San Diego. That's not the case this morning as due to COVID precautions, they will not be allowed to give that classic farewell. Now, this is unfortunate, but one thing that does make this uh, deployment very special is that it's making history this morning. Uh, the crew is prepared for six to ten months deployment. Now, the reason why it's making history is because it's the first major deployment of 22 under the first woman to lead a nuclear carrier in U.S. Navy history. Now, that's Captain Amy Bauernschmidt. She's, like I said, the first woman commanding a nuclear aircraft carrying uh, carrier heading into the Pacific. Now, some background on her. After graduating from the U.S. Naval Academy in 1994, she became a helicopter pilot and was assigned to helicopter anti submarine squadron light 45 that's the wolf back here in san diego she previously served as a carrier carrier's executive officer from 16 to 2019 she did relieve captain walt sarge slaughter of his duties in august of 19 um, in a changing of command ceremonies here in san diego now some background on the ship the uss abraham lincoln is the fifth nimitz class nuclear powered aircraft carrier that's the largest warships in the world category um, it's name is named after the 16th president of the United States. Now, the crew is working and training with allies in the Pacific to maintain a presence, I'm being told. Now, the Lincoln left Norfolk base in Virginia, its previous home port in 2019 after its deployment was extended twice. It arrived here in Coronado um, after a 294-day round-trip deployment around the world. Now, of course, the carrier is here in Coronado and uh, all of the service members that are expected to leave this morning are on board. Again, that's 5,000 of them heading to the Pacific, which I'm being told. Of course, family members uh, already said their goodbyes. Those hugs and kisses are so special. As six to ten months, they could be expected to be away. A long time to be away from family. It is, and we will have more coming up. Uh, as to the report, as the USS Abraham Lincoln uh, left Coronado and and headed out to sea. I do have to say, because we, we tell the truth even on this program, of course we do, just like our regular. Did you notice that the reporter, bless her little heart, uh, had to tell us who the ship was named after? 
Oh, it, that's maybe one of the first, well, it's definitely the first rim shot here on the American Veteran Show in 2022. Just trying to make you smile. And, uh, well, later on that day, last uh, week in San Diego. Well, thousands of service members now on deployment. The USS Abraham Lincoln Carrier Strike Group departed earlier this morning. It was quite a sight to see from our chopper eights. It was over NAS North Island for this big moment. We want to go now to News H Dana Marie McNichol. She has more on why this was such an historic day. And you got to see this ship depart right in front of you. Yeah, that's absolutely right, Eric. Around 8 o'clock this morning, we saw it leave. We were there since 5 a.m. watching the sailors on board get ready to depart. Now, it was a little bit different this time because family members weren't able to be on base waving goodbye, saying those those sweet mem- saying those sweet goodbyes because six to ten months, the U.S. Abraham Lincoln will be out at sea. Now, as Eric was saying, this is a historic deployment because it's actually being led by the first woman to lead a nuclear aircraft carrier. And that's Captain Amy Bauernschmidt. And she said that she's very honored to be leading this crew. And she couldn't think of a better uh, group of people to go on this deployment with. Sailors, as I'm kind of watching back and looking at them, that have worked exceptionally hard for the last nine months through all those exercises. And for any commander of any unit, it is the most humbling experience in the world to know that you've been entrusted with the lives of those men and women that support and defend our Constitution. So this is an amazing day. They are going to do exceptional work out there, and I just can't wait to watch them succeed wherever we go and whatever we do for the next several months. Congratulations to everyone on board the USS Abraham Lincoln and Godspeed and sure wish them the best. I know the Godspeed's kind of an Air Force thing. I want to end on, boy, this is heartbreaking, I think. It's yet at the same time, it's actually very touching. But listen to this. Out of Woburn, Massachusetts, last week, a letter that had been sent from a soldier stationed in Germany to his mother, 76 years it took to be delivered, 76 years. Army Sergeant John Gonsalves was 22 at the time he wrote his mother in Massachusetts, December 1945. The letter sat unopened for more than 75 years before it was found by the USPS, a distribution facility in Pittsburgh. Where had that letter been? And it reads as follows. Dear Mom, received another letter from you today and was happy to hear that everything is okay. As for myself, I'm fine and getting along okay, but as far as the food, it's pretty lousy most of the time. The letter was signed, Love and Kisses, Your Son Johnny. I'll be seeing you soon, I hope. Well, Gonsalves died in 2015. His mom has passed as well. But they were at the facility, the USPS facility in Pittsburgh. They were able to find an address for Gonsalves' widow, her name Angela. The soldier met five years after he sent that letter. He met his wife. And alongside the decades-old mail, USPS employees also sent a letter of their own. They said, delivering this letter was of utmost importance to us. And before you make a couple of jokes about the USPS... At least someone in the family received it. Angela Gonsalves said, quote, Imagine that. 76 years. I just couldn't believe it. 
and then just his handwriting and everything. It was just so amazing. She concluded, it's like he came back to me, you know? That's all the time we have for this week's program. Join us next week and, of course, on the regular program as well. Don't forget to visit our website, AmericanVeteranShow.com. For producer Matt Steinkruger, I'm Stephen Tubbs. Have a great week, and remember our troops. My darling, lovable, the very Trinity, so lovely, darling, that I often wonder how it's possible that you're mine. I'm really the luckiest guy in the world, you know. And you are, you are the reason, Brother Keith. Every, every chance you got to communicate was wonderful. The American Veteran Show is a copyrighted production of Mountain Time Media Group, LLC. All rights reserved. For more information, visit AmericanVeteranShow.com. Join us next week for another edition of The American Veteran Show. Looking for a fun way to win up to 25 times your money this football season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of statistics, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and an enormous selection of players and stat options are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million football fans who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com/get100 and use code get100. That's code get100 at prizepicks.com/get100 for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy.